I have three kids. My name is Matt, by the way. I have three kids, a six-year-old, a two-year-old, and a six-month-year-old. And raising kids is a ton of fun. They always provide lots of good stories for life and just make things better. One day, G, uh, Noah was in the car and we were singing some toddler songs with Melanie. And there is a toddler song. It's called, Jesus Wants Me for a Sunbeam. Have you heard this song before? Jesus Wants Me for a Sunbeam. In the middle of the song, Noah turns to Melanie and says, Mommy, what's a zombie? Uh, <laughs> Melanie explains, and he says, okay, that makes sense. Yep, Jesus wants me for a zombie. <laughs> Jesus wants me for a zombie. <laughs> but kids are awesome. Uh, I rem- I'm reminded of that every night uh, when we put the kids to bed. And uh, as you're singing to them and you're trying to, to get them to, to take that last step to slumberland, I have three songs in my repertoire of singing. That's it. Just three, Allison. I'm sorry. I don't have a, a catalog. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus, come on, people. Uh, <laughs> Third song, take me out to the ball game. <laughs> That's it. And it's always not the home team, it's root for the Cubbies. That's right. If those three songs don't work, just repeat CD. Repeat CD over and over and over again. But as I'm singing this song, specifically Jesus Loves Me, I look at my kids and I just think there's nothing I want more in this world my kids to love Jesus. There's nothing I want more than that. I want them to not only know who Jesus is, but to love Jesus. That's what I want more than anything for our students. That's what I want more than anything for you. Not just to know about Jesus, not for us to just to sing about him, but for to genuinely love Jesus. And I've been thinking about that question all this week. Why do I love Jesus? Why do I love him so much? And I've been talking to people, I've asked some people on Facebook, and we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. But why do I love Jesus? In the, in the book of Colossians, uh, I think Paul is, is kind of on that, that road there. So if you want to turn to it, Colossians chapter 1 this morning, as he's writing to the church there. And actually, Garen, this was in no coordinating fashion at all, he, he read it for us all, already, so which I that has to be a God thing then, if uh, we're already there. But it's Colossians chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 15. Why do I love Jesus? Why does Paul love Jesus? He's trying to communicate that. First he says this, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. That's, that's pretty cool to think about. That God obviously is, is huge, but he gave us a very tangible picture of who he is in the person of Jesus. So when we read about Jesus in the Bible and the Gospels, we get a picture of who God really is. When you read the stories, this is a, his personality, his character, the things that he would say and the way we react. This is God. This gives us a picture of who, of who God is. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things that we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. 
That, that thought just blows my mind sometimes, how big our God is. He's huge. That used to, I remember as a kid even thinking about that, going, God has been around since the beginning. Before the beginning, he's just always been. And that just, like, just blew my mind. I could not, I couldn't comprehend that thought. To think about how big our God, he is the creator of everything that we can see and the things that we can't see. Now, there are some things that are out there, folks, that are pretty amazing. I mean, if you, if you think about this, the Hubble telescope is out there right now. You can actually go to the website. Confession, I have lived in Houston now for almost five years. I haven't been to NASA yet. Am I missing anything there? I, I need to go. I went to the, in Florida. Amazing. I haven't been yet. I need to go. But you can actually go on the Hubble uh, uh, website and look at actual images from the telescope that they've sent to us. Uh, these, are, these are not like paintings. This is the real deal here. From outer space. These are things that God has created, has made, that we can't even see, that is just massive. When you think about how huge our God is and how, really, honestly, our solar system is so small and comparative to the massive creation of our God. I mean, it's humbling to think about. In 1990, there was this uh, 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 unmanned uh, space shuttle that was sent out, the, the Voyager 1. And uh, it was basically, the mission was to, to get a picture at the end of the solar system, to go out super far out and to take pictures of the, the, of the solar system. And NASA sent a message to Voyager 1 that we want you to turn around on your way out of the solar system and 3.7 billion miles away from Earth, take a picture of Earth. And here it is. Okay? Now, can you see Earth in the picture? All right, maybe you can't. It was amazing because right when they turned around, they were taking some pictures, a, a, a beam of, of the sun came by, and there it is. Wait, let's go back to the next first one. Can you see it? That little bitty part? Uh, see it up there at the top? That's Earth, 3.7 billion miles away. That blows my mind how big, think about how big our God is. I wonder, is that the view he has of Earth? I think sometimes people feel that way, that he is just so, he's so big, he's so busy. But the thing that I love about God, that he's so big, and yet he has time for you and for me. And he hears us, and he knows us. And as we, we see that in the life of Jesus. We see it over and over again when he notices the people that no one notices. From Lazarus uh, and his sisters to to people that were sinners and outcasts, to the people on the side of the road, that Jesus says, I see you. I know you've been kind of cast off to the side, but I know exactly what's going on in your life. And he says it in Scripture. The number of hairs on your head are numbered. He created you in your inmost being. It's pretty amazing that the God who would be that big can also be the God that relates to us and is here and is with us. I asked some friends on Facebook that question, why, why, do you, why do you love Jesus? This is what a friend of mine wrote. I think it used to be growing up that it was just expected that everyone loved Jesus, or you were weird, but that isn't love, that's just following a, a fad. It also used to be because of heaven and to an extent the threat of hell. I can understand that. But loving someone because of what they do for you or because you fear the alternative isn't necessarily the best reason to love someone. For me, the reason I love him is because he has become my best friend. 
due to the fact that he has been with me through the, I don't know if I can say this word in church, the C-A-R-P, the C-R-A-P, sorry, C-R-A-P. I'm so afraid of it, I can't even spell it right. The carp. <laughs> they're, I think they're a very scary fish that are out there. He has been with me through the carp <laughs> of life. Yes, I know, Mary probably wouldn't approve of that word. Carp. She doesn't like that fish. Uh, he is the one who knows me, my doubts, my struggles, and even my weaknesses. He has seen me at my worst, and yet despite all these things, he still loves me. There is no one else on earth that if they truly knew me, all of me, they could love me the way he does. Have you ever felt that way before? If someone really knew me, if someone really knew my thoughts in my heart, that I don't think they could love me. But Jesus does. And it's because of his grace and love even in the midst of the carp, that I am in love with him. Oh, I love that about Jesus. Uh, have you ever had a, a friend or been in a conference or a place where you're talking to someone and there's tons of people and they're looking for the next conversation, the next person to talk to, or they're looking on their phone, or they're constantly just like, okay, what's next? Who's the other person I need to talk to? Who I need to... Man, we have this friend that we, we joke about that's like that. He can never keep eye contact with you. He's always just kind of looking around, looking, who else? What's next? What's happening? Oh, blah, 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 blah. Jesus isn't like that. He's zoned in the whole time in your life. He knows about everything that's happening. He knows every single detail. That's what I love about Jesus. He's awesome. Keep on reading. Colossians 1.18 says this, 1.18 through 20. Christ is also the head of the church which is the body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through God, through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everyone in earth and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. I love Jesus because he rescued me. He rescued us. I read about a story this week uh, in, uh, I think it was in New York, where a, a man lost control of his car and uh, went off the side of the road, burst, started to, to, to go into flames there, and uh, it was also it was on the Long Island Expressway there, hit a tree, and uh, a gentleman, a truck driver, he jumps out of his car, he runs to the, 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 the car and notices that the man has been ejected from the car and actually is now underneath the flames, the flaming car there. And the truck driver, he, as he looks for him, he pulls him out and saves his life. I mean, pretty, pretty amazing story. I think if I was in that situation, uh, I think I would remember that for the rest of my life. <laughs> That's something that you would never forget. I wouldn't forget the person who saved me for the rest of my life as well. Jesus has rescued us. If you go back to verse 13 in this passage, it talks about that very thing. It talks about how he has rescued us. If we can pull that up on the screen there. On verse 13, I'll find it real quick. He says this, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness, and he transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. He saved us. And what did he save us from? He saved us from us. He saved us from our sin, our shame, uh, our doubts, our darkness, our 
selfishness. And he transferred us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. He makes this transaction for us, taking us from darkness to light, from sin to life, from shame to freedom. And he does that, this transaction. He rescues us. He saves us. That's why I love Jesus. Someone, uh, another person on Facebook talked about this. Uh, Just another friend. I was taught to love Jesus as a child in Sunday school. That was enough when I was a child. As I grew up, I heard about his deep love for me, and I began to understand in a a more mature way the Christian walk is about his love for me and then about my love for him. He loved me first. He knew me before I was. He knew me ahead of time that I would be imperfect, prone to mistakes, prone to sin, and he loved me anyway. When I chose my way over his, he kept loving me. When I asked for forgiveness, he forgave me. When I asked for a deeper walk, he, he walked even closer. When I falter and completely fail, he doesn't turn away, but instead he stays close and he waits for me to run back. He touches my conscience and he reminds me that when I am wrong, he condemns my sin, but is willing to bring me back, forgive me, and help me do better the next time. No one can love me like Jesus. How can I not? Return his love. I love Jesus because he rescues me. We keep reading in verse 21. It says this. This includes you. He rescues you who were once far, far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and your actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. He has saved us, even those of us who were far, far away from him. There is a a story that uh, there's actually an anniversary this week, 25th anniversary, October 15th, of I think to be the, the greatest, probably top two or three greatest baseball plays, most dramatic of all time. It happened in the World Series in 1988. The mighty Oakland A's, uh, the favorites, the Bash Brothers, the they're going to win it all, no chance. Uh, we're playing the, the L.A. Dodgers and this ragtag bunch of guys. Uh, the, 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 the A's were heavily favored, and uh, they were going into, the game, into game one. And actually, the Dodgers' best player wasn't available. His name was anybody? Kurt Gibson. Kurt Gibson. He wasn't, he wasn't available because his knee was, he had a bum knee and he had a, a pulled hamstring. And so there was no chance of him playing. And uh, so the game goes on. It goes into the ninth inning. The, the Dodgers predictably are down four to three going into the ninth inning. It looks like it's over. They bring in the best pitcher at the time, the Cy Young winner for the year, Dennis Eckersley, who was unbelievable. And what made him really unbelievable is he had an amazing mustache and mullet uh, to go with it, that 88 look. Some of you know about that mullet. Um, so he comes into the game, and just when he comes in, you're just like, this, this game's over. No chance. Uh, he had only given up a few runs all year long, 162 games, not that much uh, as far as home runs and earned runs and things like that. And suddenly, 
with two outs, bottom of the ninth. You might have remembered. Anybody watch that game, 1988? First World Series I can really remember. Uh, he walks the, a man, there's a man on first, there's two outs, and suddenly out of nowhere comes Kirk Gibson. He's hobbling from the dugout. He can barely stand, and the announcer's even saying, if he hits the ball on the ground, he might as well just turn to the dugout because there's no way they're going to get him out. Of, I mean, there's no way he's going to make it to first, okay? And so what happens? Kirk Gibson comes up, and then this happens. The game right now is at the plate. Fly ball into right field. She is gone. In a year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. I love it. I remember the next day in church, we were all going like, we weren't even Dodgers fans. We were just like the new cool thing to do. And, and the line, though, is, in the year of the improbable, the impossible has happened. The impossible has happened. I can't watch that video without getting, like, hairs on my head, uh, or my, on my head and my... <laughs> my head, my head. They stand up. I mean, it's just one of those chilling moments. The thing that's most remarkable about that video to me and to see that story, it's something I, I never noticed until a couple of years ago, is that this amazing situation, if we stop it right there, look above the 370 sign, there's these taillights. And uh, I wonder, as that man was, whoever that was, there were actually multiple people leaving the stadium, they reported. I wonder if he heard it on the radio. Suddenly, the crack of the bat, and he hits the, 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 the lights. He's like, what if I, I missed it? <laughs> but you know what? I, I see those taillights. Man, I think about some impossible situations, some things that just look so, it's just not, it's not going to happen. It's improbable. It's impossible. God can't do that. And yet he does. And how many times have I given up? And said, you know what? Sometimes I've given up on people. I said, it's impossible. I mean, they are too far away. Too far away from God. I, I love Jesus because he doesn't give up on me. And he doesn't give up on you. He doesn't give up on us. And you know what? There's been so many times where I've had to ask God for, for second, third, a hundredth chances because I have blown it. I have blown it. And there's been times, maybe the, I find myself the most guilty when I just say, God can't. Our God can. Our God can. And that's the good news of today, that Jesus can in your life. Maybe there are situations that you want to just say, hey, I, God they're yours. I, I don't even know. I, they're just too big for me. They're too impossible. There's good news today, folks. Jesus loves you. And as I, I come back to that song that I sing to my kids every night, and I, I, I looked at different answers on Facebook and things that people shared, it came back to the same thing. Why do I love Jesus? Because he first loved me.
He first loved me. And when someone, I think, gets that and really understands that and understands how much Jesus loves each one of us, like when that finally hits home, I know that you've heard those words all your life. But when suddenly that sinks in, something changes. Something changes. We begin to see God completely differently. That's my hope for you. That's my prayer for my kids. That's my prayer for us as a community, that we would realize God's love. And then here's the cool part. He trusts us as his ambassadors. In 2 Corinthians, he talks about this, how he wants us to go out and to share this good news, this love of Christ with everyone with everyone. This morning, Allison's going to come and sing, and, and she's going to talk a little bit about God's love and what he's done for us. And as she's singing, uh, think about that question. Why do you love Jesus? Really, why do you love? Think about what he's done for you. Think about what he did on the cross for you. Think about who he is. And maybe this morning, there are some impossible situations that you need to lean on God with and say, God, this is yours. He is yours. She is yours. This situation is yours, God. I believe in you. Thank you for loving me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for that cross. Uh, just hearing that song has put images in my mind of uh, what you've done for me and for us. Um, God, uh, I'm not worthy of that kind of love. Lord, I don't even know what to do with it sometimes. I'm just overwhelmed by it, God, except just to say thank you. Lord, God, thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you for your grace. Lord, thank you for your mercy, your forgiveness. Lord, thank you that you are the God of second chances and third chances, Lord, that we can come to you, God, and we can seek your forgiveness, Lord. Lord, and seek your direction, Lord, we come confessing, Lord, this morning, we need you. We desperately need you. We can't rescue ourselves. And in the midst of this world that has is, is just surrounded us, Lord, uh, there's so many things that are out there, God. Lord, keep our eyes upon you, Lord. We want to grow deeper with you. We want to know you more, God. And I believe it's so true, Lord. The more that we know you, Lord, the more that we love you. That's been so true for me, God. The more I see who you are, I fall even more in, more in love with you, God. Or that's our prayer for our church, God. And that's our prayer for our, our community, God, that they would see the love of Christ in this place, that they would see it on our faces and our conversations as we interact with people at work, at, at daycare, at, at every school and places that we go to, Lord. I pray that it would be so at the, the fall festival this Saturday, God, that in conversations, at games and places that... Jesus, would you would just ooze out of us, God. Lord, may it be infectious in our families, in our communities, God. Help us to love as you have loved us, God. Not demanding or wanting anything, but just unconditionally loving, Lord. God, I lift up your family this morning. God, you know what's happening in this room. You know about the hurts. You know about the impossible situations, God. And Lord, we give those to you right now, Lord, and trust that you are the God of not just the improbable, but you are the God of the impossible. And you want to do a new work, a mighty work in our lives, God. We pray for healing where that is needed, God. We pray for spiritual healing and relational healing, God. And we just, we want that so badly, God. And we trust your will in our lives, God. Lord, help us to lean on that. Help us to, when, our, when us takes over, Lord, I pray that, Lord, that we would seek you in all that we do, Lord.
God, we thank you for your presence this morning. God, I pray that you would continue to meet with us this week, Lord, that this love inside of us would, uh, would be infectious to others, that we would be your ambassadors to our, our kids, our family, our friends, our coworkers, and everyone, Lord. We lift up those things to you this morning. We praise things in your name. Amen.